We'd like to thank our podcast sponsors for supporting our programs. Here's a quick message. Hi, I'm Rexy with Rx Safe. Let's talk about medication adherence. And with 72 million baby boomers now averaging 60 years old, adherence is truly more important than ever. As pharmacy owners, you know the staggering toll that non-adherence has on patients. Two-thirds of Americans with multiple prescriptions are non-adherent. This leads to an estimated 125,000 unnecessary deaths every year in the United States. In fact, up to one quarter of admissions to hospitals and nursing homes are caused by poor adherence. It is estimated that poor adherence leads to more than $500 billion each year in avoidable healthcare costs. Independent pharmacists are our best hope to help seniors properly take their medications. RxSafe has created advanced adherence technology that provides solutions. From pouch packaging to blister cards, we're there to support your patients and help them live independently for longer. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Todd Urey, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm excited. You have no idea how exciting this day is for me because this is this is like a coming home for me to the pharmacy industry. How did I get into pharmacy? Was a company called Softwriters out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the developers of the very first open source SQL-based pharmacy system dedicated to long-term care pharmacy, jettison ahead. 20 some plus years, and now Framework LTC Softwriters has joined the Pharmacy Podcast Network with a wonderful podcast that we're going to continue to develop. Today is the very first episode of Framework Focus, a Softwriters podcast with you, Mark, Dr. Mark Fulton, as our host. I'm excited, Mark, that you're here and that you're sharing this launch with, with the Pharmacy Podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Todd. Uh, it's great to be here, and thank you so much for having me on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Uh, I get to use the phrase "longtime listener, first-time caller," so this is a lot of fun. Uh, pharmacy is really, you know, my lifeblood. It's really the thing that that drives me and gets me out of the bed every morning, and and has been for gosh, almost thirty years. So I'm just thrilled to be able to sit here and talk with you and uh, share some insights and uh, provide some value for our listeners. Yeah, I'm excited about us dig digging into where I started, which was tech and how tech impacts patient care. And then we can start splitting hairs where we start saying, but a very specific individual type of patient that needs extra services that we have to rely on our, on our software and our technology to make it easier for us to not only remember, but bill it properly and be able to have follow-up with that patient's individual needs. And that's exactly what Framework LTC has created. So this entire environment is going to be a collection of not only your thoughts in leading this podcast, 
but also a collection of your partners, of your clients, of people in government agency and people in developing policy. Maybe we'll bring on somebody from the NCPDP someday to really talk about, um, you know, information organization. But this is a really this is a really unique opportunity for our our listeners to hear from somebody who has come from servicing patients in the retail setting, but now you've involved into the deep skilled care slash um, long-term care and where that brought you. So that's what I want to start out with, Mark, is I want to start out with your story. Oh, thanks, Todd. It's a great story too, if I uh, am permitted to say so. I, I love it. It's a great story. And I'm one of those weird kids who at 16, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be a pharmacist. It was everything that I wanted in life. Uh, when I was 16, I got my first job and that had such a huge impact on me. I was, uh, I grew up in a very small town called Titusville, Pennsylvania, uh, really tiny old steel mill town. It was where they drilled the first oil well, actually. And my first job was at this uh, independent drugstore. It was called E.K. Thompson and Son. Mm. I learned later on that E.K. stood for Ebenezer Keith, which I, just two names that don't go together. <laughs> so I see why they 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 shortened it. Um, E.K. Thompson and Son had been around for about uh, 150 years when I joined in like 1995. And I was the stock and delivery boy. They, my first day there, they said, do you have a driver's license? And I had just gotten my driver's license. So I said, yes. So they hand me some keys and they say, here, get in the car out front and go deliver these medications. And so that was my first introduction to, uh, to pharmacy. Was before GPS. Before GPS. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew the town. It was a small town. There, there aren't that many streets. So, But I learned my way around town and I was a delivery driver. And I would go to these houses of people who were really reliant on that community pharmacy for their day-to-day -day care. These were people who were elderly, who couldn't get around. They were shut-ins. They were people with disabilities. And I got to be a part of their day for a few minutes. And they really appreciated someone who would just come in and talk to them. And I'm extroverted by nature. I like talking to people. And, and as I would develop relationships, and I'd see the same old people all the time, right? And, and I use old people in like the, the most friendly uh, mm. context here. They were fantastic, and it really just made my day. So every day after school, I would go down to the pharmacy, I would get the keys to the car, and I would take the deliveries. And I was happy as a clam. For I had like a car phone. This was 1995, so I had like one of those briefcase car phones. And I mean, this is like a small town boy. I thought I was just hot stuff <laughs> driving around. I would call my girlfriend on the car phone. It, I learned I later like on $3 that three dollars like, a minute. I didn't realize that until they got the bill. So, <laughs> so anyways. I worked for Thompson's Drugstore, and I loved it. This place was was old, and it had this character about it that was so authentic and so true to what, what pharmacy means to me. Uh, they had a soda fountain, tin-tiled ceiling, one of those big, narrow pharmacies where the, the pharmacy work is done at the back, and you're two feet above the rest of the store. Uh, the whole building itself was ancient. I used to go up into the attic and dig through all the old pharmacy stuff. Uh, ads for like this homemade ointment they used to make <laughs> and sell back in the early 20th century. Um, but anyways, the thing I really was curious about most is I was fascinated by all the drugs, mm -hmm. like all these little individual bottles, thousands of them on the shelf. And each one does something different. I was hungry for knowledge and I wanted to know everything about it. I said, this is what I want to devote my life to. And, and I did. And so I was determined. I went to pharmacy school. I went to the University of Pittsburgh. I uh, graduated in 2003. Um, 
I had fantastic classmates. I really enjoyed my time in pharmacy school. Um, Pitt was a great fit for me. And I got out and I thought, well, I want to be a, a retail pharmacist. I had worked for like, a chain pharmacy all through college. I graduated and I started working the bench and I loved it. You know, I thought it was easy money. It was challenging. It was uh, fulfilling. I loved meeting people and I loved learning the business side of it. You know, I had a really great preceptor who kind of trained me to do his job and really looked at me as a peer and not just an intern. And that made a world of difference to me. Uh, and so I graduated, I worked for Bright Aid for a while, and I had a really cool opportunity about a year into my career. They came to me and said, well, we're going to start building a medication therapy management program, and we're going to do it here in Pittsburgh. And they picked four pharmacists to be part of this inaugural effort, and I was one of them. And they built us little uh, consultation offices in four different Rite Aids in the Pittsburgh area. Hmm. And we would like spend part of our days uh, seeing patients by appointment, um, basically trying to do medication therapy management and show that there was a value. Mm -hmm. So th that worked out pretty well for a while. I kind of got bored mm -hmm. and I decided I needed something else. So I started uh, traveling for my job. At the time, in about 2006, there were a lot of pharmacies that had a shortage of employees. There was a huge pharmacist shortage. I mean, they talk about it now, but this was a legit one back yeah. in the early 2000s. And so what the chain that I had worked for had done was they started importing a lot of pharmacists from overseas uh, with similar education programs, and they were recruiting like mad. So I took a job in Harrisburg and, you know, for like a ridiculous, you know, agreement. So I went out there, I moved to Harrisburg to start managing stores. And that's really where I decided, oh, I want to be, I want to be a district manager. Mm -hmm. Because all I could see was that, that narrow lens of, you know, what was directly in front of me. Right. So I said, oh, I want to be a DM. I want to be a suit. Uh, that's where the money's at, right? And I thought that would make my career fulfilling. And so I had an opportunity to kind of work at the regional level for a while. I did a special project when uh, Rite Aid bought Eckerd, and I helped with the pharmacy conversion of the pharmacies in Western New York. So I got to travel around, got to meet a lot of people. And the more I learned about that job, the more I realized that it wasn't a good fit for me. <laughs> You know, uh, like so many pharmacists are going through that right now. Oh, I, the struggle is real, you know, and I've lived it and I've lived it multiple times over. You know, the, the best quote I heard recently was that, you know, we we overeducate pharmacists to do what we ask them to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I I got burnt out on retail. I said, I, you know, I didn't want to be a DM because that job to me just wasn't a good fit. The people I knew who were doing that job were you know, they, they, they weren't happy, mm -hmm. you know, and happiness matters so much in what you do. There are some DMS in the realm of our big box chains, including closed door chains like Omnicare, for example, that they're, that they're wonderful careers because that's what they want in life. Oh yeah. But it's the people that want something different who don't know how to make the transition from the golden handcuff, making a ton of money, having great benefits, having lots of family support, you know, in that care that you need, and then transferring to maybe a technology oriented position. And that's the bridge that I want to hear from you is how did you go from the attitude of I have to think like a scalable employee in, in, in being a district manager to help other pharmacists be more efficient and manage everything 
to transferring to now how do I align with technology to deliver better patient care? That's a great question, Todd. So it's kind of funny, you know, when I tell people what I do, I still say I'm a pharmacist, but they say, where do you work? I say, I, I actually work for a software company. And then their face gets all puzzled and they say, well, how does that work? <laughs> um, why would a software company want to employ a pharmacist? Um, I actually got a call out of the blue about five years ago uh, proposing just that and saying, hey, do you want to leave your career in, in pharmacy and come work for a software company? And I said, let's try it. Uh, let's see how it works. And it turned out to be a really good fit, I think, for what I do well and what I like to do. Um, after I left retail, I spent seven years working in closed-door pharmacy. I worked for a company that did outsourced compounding, uh, did TPN. Um, again, I tried to specialize in that and do everything I could, you know, learn something new from the ground up uh, to reinvent yourself. And I think that's what you have to do or be willing to do, I think, if you're willing to try on new hats in pharmacy. So I had done that, did closed-door TPN compounding for seven years, uh, learned everything I could about it. I actually got board certified in nutrition support, oh, cool. um, which is kind of neat. It's obscure. It's one of the less common ones. Uh, and I still love it to this day. I have passion for it. But again, I got bored. I said, oh, what, what else is out there? So I went back to school at night, got my MBA, uh, was looking for like jobs in that other category. Mm -hmm. And when I was looking for you know, pharmacy jobs that aren't dispensing and that aren't in retail or hospital, I really wanted something different. Yep. And and what was that? What's out there? And I think that's really what a lot of pharmacists today are facing is not knowing what's out there. Sure. You know, you can't go and look for a job that you don't know exists. Yep. And I found a unicorn. Yep. I found a job that I didn't even know existed. You know, so when I interviewed with the soft writers, uh, they, you know, they asked me about my background and we talked a lot about long-term care. And I had worked adjacent to long-term care for a number of years uh, in compounding, most of my customers were LTC facilities. And so, you know, we we talked and talked. And what I learned was they said, hey, look, we make pharmacy software. Our customers are all pharmacies. The people we hire are technologists. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we hire software engineers. But we really need a pharmacist to help us make better decisions about what we should build and understanding customer needs. Yep. You know, from that insider perspective. And so I basically came on as a subject matter expert and a product manager. And I started, you know, basically designing and or helping to design uh, and bring forth new software features that were built from that pharmacist perspective. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful combination because that's going to continue to be a demand on our markets. Um, and an example of that is, in specialty pharmacy, there is workflow that has been designed specific to the disease state, specific to the medication titration, specific to the transfer from maybe, let's say, one jack inhibitor to the next jack inhibitor or whatever differentiation comes and how artificial intelligence needs to be designed in, to, in order to support a lot of the decision tree making that is maybe the first 10%, 20%, 30% of care could be decided upon massive amounts of data that starts cross-referencing condition, temperature, um, sex, pharmacogenomics, uh, titration, absorption, like all of this data, 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 data. But if you don't have a pharmacist in the background helping to build those templates, then 
the the sexiness of technology goes to the wayside and, and goes to literally um, where a lot of software systems start, which is, hey, this is wonderful software. I'm a, I'm a software technologist, but some of those software technologists, even into even in to describe the history of soft writers, started with some absolutely phenomenal software writers. The Hutchison family were pedigree software writers. Tim Hutchison was an amazing software writer, but their context of how does a pharmacist leverage our technology in order to deliver more patient care, more efficiently, more efficiently and better. And therein lies where Dr. Mark Fulton comes in because it's the marriage of how's a pharmacist use this and how stable and scalable is the software for a specific instance of patient care. Oh, absolutely, Tom. Uh, when you think about <clears throat> long-term care, you know, it's a niche market in pharmacy. Uh, it serves a very small subset of patients, but the patients that are cared for by LTC pharmacies, these are folks that are often forgotten. These are the folks that we know they exist, but unless we have a family member or a close friend who exists in a long-term care setting, most people would rather pretend that these things don't exist. These are folks in nursing homes and, you know, skilled nursing facilities. These are people in with adults with disabilities living in group homes. Um, and these are people who are incarcerated. You know, th these are all the, the things people don't want built in their backyard. Right. Right. But we all agree that they're needed. And long-term care serves a very important niche in that the folks who are in these places, they're there for a long period of time. They're not going anywhere and they need health care. And part of healthcare, I mean, the way we treat disease in this country is with drugs. Yep. And and that's why I decided to be a pharmacist. That's why it was such a good fit for me, because my interest was really on the pharmacology side. Uh, less interested in diagnosing, but way interested in knowing how drugs work, you know, and how such a small amount of compound can have a you know dramatic effect on the human body. But yeah, long-term care really serves a, a unique niche. And I think that's why it's, you know, really important that you know, we have this podcast and Framework Focus is going to give us a, a tremendous advantage in helping to connect our pharmacies. You know, we have uh, 700 pharmacies roughly across the country who use our platform currently. Uh, we're in all 50 states. And these pharmacies are often disparate. You know, if I zoom way out as pharmacists, we don't tend to talk to each other mm -hmm. a lot, right? right? You're too busy. Right. We don't have time at work to like get on the phone and gab. And especially if you're working like in a retail setting or community setting, the you don't have any other pharmacists there to speak with. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your technicians and techs are awesome. I love technicians, but you don't have other pharmacists. Maybe, you know, the pharmacist up the street and you call and ask a question if they're free. Right. Right. But you're both running around trying to get things done. Now, in a hospital, you get that chance. Right. You can work with other healthcare professionals. It's it's microcosm, but at least it's a cosm. Right. Um, but yeah, we don't, as a whole though, we don't tend to be very organized and we don't tend to share, uh, you know, our problems and our concerns with each other. You know, I, I think we do that best online, Yep. but I think it's really helpful to have a voice for pharmacists that work in these, uh, non-traditional settings, you know, to let other pharmacists know, Hey, number one, you're not alone. Yep. You know, your concerns are shared and they're valid and there are solutions out there. Now, and I think there's a lot of solutions to all the problems that pharmacists face, whether it's job dissatisfaction, whether it's, uh, you know, technology solutions, 
you know, whether it's solutions about just how our profession operates in this country. Exactly. Um, and right now, because of social media, because of the internet, uh, pharmacy is kind of having a moment, uh, which is great. And I hope that that momentum persists. I think, well, I think one of the practices and one of the philosophies of soft writers that has been really special is putting together a user conference that brings together all of SoftWriter's team, um, all of SoftWriter's clients, so that they can mesh together to almost um, sharpen the pencil that is that technology that's an extremely complex technology. But when it's honed in, it I think of SoftWriter's and Framework LTC as, as the, um, the microscope um, of, of a very specific way of handling workflow that if you start to dial in, it becomes so powerful and so clear, but you have to bring, so this, this conference, which is going to be, um, very special to me because it's almost like a homecoming for me. Um, I get to participate in it. Um, uh, we're going to cover it as press. We're going to be there as a media sponsor, um, and a partner, so the 2023 SoftWriters 13th annual conference is on September 11th through September 13th, uh, 2023 in Boston. I love Boston. It's going to be a great time. But can you give our listeners just kind of a, a little overview of, of the user conference? Absolutely, Todd. Uh, the Framework LTC uh, annual user conference that is going to be held this September, like you said, in Boston, it is the opportunity for long-term care pharmacies uh, who use our products to meet our team. You know, we offer a lot of great activities. It's an action-packed couple of days. We have great keynotes and breakout presentations uh, to talk about, you know, big overarching concepts in pharmacy, you know, the big scalable things, lessons that pharmacies can take you know, back home and implement in order to make their operations run more smoothly, more efficiently. You know, we have trainers on site where you can schedule time with uh, our solution experts to learn, you know, how to use our system more effectively, mm -hmm. you know, how to get more value out of Framework LTC. How do I unlock those efficiencies? Yep. Um, and so we do a lot of on-site training. We do a lot of demos. Uh, obviously, our whole sales team is there. And you really can meet our, our executives, can meet our product team it's a great way to just familiarize yourself with the people behind the product. Yep. You know, and it's great for us too. It's wonderful to meet our customers, to see them in person, to hear those stories in real time about, you know, how the things that we've done with the product have, you know, made their lives better and made their lives in the pharmacy easier, you know, enabled uh, efficiencies of scale and workflows that would not have been possible otherwise. Yeah. I, I think that when you bring clients together, it helps them to um, come up with even more vetted ideas because they're sharing, hey, how do you use this report builder? How are you using this workflow change? Uh, did you hear about the new update that's coming out with like some document management or whatever? All of those things to allow your clients to be together is a sense of security, confidence, in power in using a tool in using what is framework LTC. So that's part of the excitement that I get to like sit there and listen and learn. And I hope to run into some of the customers that I sold framework to 
years ago between so if you are listening and you were a framework um user between if you bought framework between the year 2004 and 2008 uh look me up at the in boston <laughs> that would have been me or tom hagan <laughs> uh, shameless plug that's shameless plug the uh the the conference is great i think the the best thing though is what we don't advertise and that's the networking it's the networking with other pharmacies. Uh, like you alluded to, there's a ton of folks there. The most impactful uh, event that occurs there is when our customers get to talk to each other mm -hmm. and they share stories of successes and realize, number one, everyone shares the same problems. If this is something I'm struggling with in my pharmacy, it's something someone else is struggling with. True. You know, there's nothing really unique. Pharmacy looks essentially the same, right? Any way you package it even though how a pharmacy operates within itself is going to vary, you know, quite a bit from place to place, but our problems are universal. You know, we're all struggling with declining reimbursements. You know, how do I get more work done with less people? Um, you know, how do I manage my inventory more effectively? And, you know, how do I take advantage of new technology solutions, you know, to help me run my business more effectively, right? That's kind of where we're getting at. And, where we seem to provide a lot of value, I think, to our users. Hey, I had a quick question before we get to our next subject, and that was the partnership with AdVisure. Um, tell us about that, because that was in a recent um, blog post that I saw come out from, from SoftWriters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, AdVisure, th those guys there are fantastic. They're a great partner, and we're super excited about featuring them at our user conference. So what AdVisure does, uh, if you're not familiar, they're a track and trace solution. They help pharmacies manage the requirements of uh, documentation and credentialing under the Drug Supply Chain Security Act. Uh, this is something that I've been doing a lot of writing about. Uh, I've written periodically on our blog about it. Uh, but these guys are the real experts. These are our bona fide experts in kind of how our government operates. They actually started out building software for the federal government, oh, wow. which is kind of neat. Um, anyways, they have a really cool turnkey solution for pharmacies to manage their compliance with what we call phase three of the Drug Supply Chain Security Act. And that goes into effect this November, November 27th. And what it's going to require pharmacies to do is be able to access uh, what they call the interoperable electronic database of transaction information. So basically, when your wholesalers send you uh, your drugs, they have to create this electronic tracking documentation, and it has to be available for you. Now, where they send it to you in like a printout or they have it online and you can download it. Um, it just has to be there and you have to be able to access it. This is pretty easy for like retail pharmacies because they tend to use one supplier, right? They get this like strong arm contract from McKesson or Cardinal and they say, we get all our stuff from them. Mm -hmm. Long-term care doesn't work like that. You know, long-term care, you might have 15 different suppliers, you know, because you're under contract to provide these drug services to the facility, right? You don't have the luxury of saying, well, they're just out of stock, you know, right? You got to go find some place to get it. So what we find is you might use 15 or 16 different suppliers, and some might be, you know, small online wholesalers. And so are they going to be able to provide that electronic tracking documentation? And how easy will it be to get? So what Adversure does is they provide this middleman service. And what they do is they intervene for you, they act as the pharmacy's agent, and they collect and maintain all of that documentation so that the pharmacy can easily access it whenever they need. Excellent. Excellent. So before we wrap up the very first episode of Framework Focus, 
I do want to, to, you're going to be the host. So I want to get from your viewpoint, what kind of topics and what kind of discussions can our listeners look forward to? Oh, Todd, so much <laughs> stuff. I mean, anybody who's anybody in long-term care is going to want to tune in and listen to this. Uh, number one, they get to hear from me. Uh, that's my shameless plug. I, I love to do this. This is the thing that I think I'm best at. <laughs> and the thing that makes me most fulfilled in my job is talking to pharmacists uh, like our listeners about why it matters, right? So many times I think we hear this, this term used, you know, applied to, to pharmacists and people who work in pharmacy as, you know, I'm burnt out and disaffected. I'm just spent, right? I, I don't love that profession anymore. I do it because I'm not qualified to do anything else, right? Mm -hmm. I make a terrible plumber, but this is the one thing I know, but I'm not finding that rewarding, that fulfillment, you know, uh, that I want to get from that job. But I want to bring that back. And our users are going to get that by listening to our podcast, because I want to share my love, my passion for this profession, you know, and help rekindle that you know, and our customers who are out there living it every day, day to day, um, in providing pharmaceutical care to our most vulnerable citizens. All right, you heard it here first. Um, the uh, Framework Focus has launched with Dr. Mark Fulton, our host. You'll be on the lookout for new episodes. Please tag at uh, Framework LTC, at Softwriters, I think on Twitter, and hashtag Framework Focus. Um, Mark, I am so excited to welcome you to the uh, Pharmacy Podcast Network. Uh, thanks for joining us. And um, you'll hear from Mark coming soon. So be on the lookout on social media. It'll be on the lookout on LinkedIn. Um, we've actually, we'll have more information about the upcoming conference and how you can become more involved. And Mark, this has been awesome. So thank you for the first episode of Framework Focus. Oh, thanks, Todd. And uh, thank you, our listeners. I just want to make sure that uh, those of you out there who took the time to sit through our very first podcast, uh, I want you to know there's lots more great stuff on the way. And if you have ideas for content, we want to hear from you. But thanks for helping us kick this off to a great start. And we're excited for what the future holds. Thank you. Framework Focus, a soft writers podcast. You'll be hearing more here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This episode is sponsored by Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, widely known as IPC. Established in 1983, IPC is the nation's largest group purchasing organization owned by independent pharmacy. With a mission of maximizing the success of community pharmacists, IPC works to provide members with access to effective programs and services designed to enhance profitability for independent pharmacy. Read more about our mission by checking out our website at IPCRX.com. That's IPCRX.com. X.com. You know, we need more dance music, um, Brady. Every time I transition from one section of twerks to the next section of twerks, I got to get some dance music in there. I got to get this touchpad faded out. I don't have any of my touchpads fixed up. If anybody podcasts, by the way, and you want to take your podcast to a whole nother level, we're going to be talking about that through the RX podcast. I can't believe that we haven't talked about this yet, but Nicole McClure with GRX Marketing and the Pharmacy Podcast Network is launching a podcast designed for community pharmacy owners. 
to outreach to your community. It's called rxpodcast.com. Once again, that's rxpodcast.com. We have so much going on. Brady, I know you're hiding as my wingman, but you need to come on because i got to talk to you real quick. There you are. Where's the guitar? You got to strumble along. Where's the guitar? The guitar is staying put today, Todd. All right. We're, we're, we have to have Brady do some some music for us at some twerks um, or do like some some twerk song, maybe like a uh, maybe a maybe like an aggressive jam or something like that. that we'll we figure do. it out once I compose it up. We'll, maybe we'll hold a little segment. So this isn't an, this isn't like a big pharmacy announcement, but it's definitely impacting our world here at at pharmacy podcast network land brady is our lead producer he does everything behind the scenes you guys have no idea what he does he's just awesome but he moved to north carolina so tell our listeners like where you're at because guess what north carolina i don't even have to say this to you brady you know exactly what i'm going to say but north carolina is literally a mecca of all things community pharmacy because some of our leaders in North Carolina are just outstanding people. Shane Garretson, Dr. Garretson, welcome to being a pharmacist. Congratulations, Dr. Garretson, for you are our guy. We love you so much. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, I, I actually have an applause button. Yeah, get that clap button going, Todd. There we go. Shane, shout out to Congratulations, you, Shane. Uh, I want to shout out to Joe Moose. Joe Moose runs Moose Pharmacies. It's in North Carolina. Um, I think... Um, Troy Tragstad, I think he might be in. But anyhow, North Carolina, we have to do more there now that Brady is a resident. But tell a little story about, uh, tell them your four-week freaking story, which is, uh, it's a head spinner. Oh, my. Yeah, well, I, I was looking at places, decided on a place on a Sunday, got approved on a Monday, went down on a Wednesday, and signed the lease on a Friday. It was kind of crazy, quick turnaround, oh. but... I just knew it was for me. I got down here finally. I'm in Burlington, North Carolina, if anybody knows where that is. Burlington. And that's Burlington, near Greensboro, right? Yeah, it's close by Greensboro. It's gorgeous out here. I've walked around to the shops. I got a, a lab puppy, and she loves it as well. We've been walking around. so I love been it. great so far. I can't wait to connect with people down here and dig into this plethora of pharmacy Todd talks about. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff pharmacy going on. North Carolina Pharmacists Association will be reaching out to you when we do our tours. Uh, we're going to try to get Rachel Medlock, our pro, um, our uh, program manager, and I to take a tour down there, um, get to see uh, Brady's new sub studio. I don't know if we'll call it Studio 2 or well, we'll have to like 1. build 1.5. That's right. All right, Brady, thank you so much, and uh, have a good weekend. Hey, it's Memorial Day weekend, but before second part of our show, I am excited. Um, these guys have become an int integral, is that a word, integral, integrated, integrated part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network because they're bringing us a lot of amazing connections in cannabis and CBD um, and, and what they're doing and what they're growing. And, and I like um, Josh and Steve, because, and we just had them on last works, but we're, we're bringing them on because we're talking about residency care. We're talking about senior care. Um, there was an article in, um, in, uh, I think it was, uh, it was McKnight's yes. Back in August. And it was specifically about residents asking about medic medical cannabis, a senior care community, uh, brought in experts to talk about this.
there is so much that we know based on what happens when you start leveraging cannabis for pain management, for sleep, for depression, for um, for parallel therapies. And we want pharmacists to chime in on this. So we have a conduit and a um, an amazing group of senior care-focused pharmacists that we're going to bring on the show in future. But let's bring uh, Josh and Steve back to the show, the Cannabis Pharmacy guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for making this time. Hey, Todd. What's up, Todd? I saw your little right. dance move there. I like that. <laughs> and when we do our tour to North Carolina, how far away are we going to be from you guys? About four hours. We got to make. I'd, a say, I'd say we work currently probably with about seventy-five pharmacies in North Carolina, including uh, Joe Moose. Oh, Joe yeah. Moose! Shout yeah. out to the Moose Pharmacy yeah. Group. Joe Moose and Cannabis Pharmacy. I'm talking to you, I'm t- and he and his team um, are super clinical, and I'm sure that they'd be. We should have him on and and have him talk absolutely. about absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So last time you guys were on, we were talking about anxiety. We were talking about pain. We were talking about depression. We were talking about, um, what's the other one? Sleep. Sleep. The big one. When I think of seniors and I think, I think of how fragile in many cases they are as well, as well as the whole concept of cascade prescribing where there's really too many meds and you, you have to look to a long-term care pharmacist to kind of go from 22 meds down to maybe eight meds. And I think of the supplements that, they may or may not be taking. So let's talk about the fragileness of seniors and cannabis and seniors and CBD, because you know as well as I do, that generation that we're talking about, that's the baby boomer boomer generation, which is the, what is that? One of the biggest populations of our 330 million Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, They were born into a time where cannabis and marijuana was, was think, thought of as the devil's leaf and all this evil stuff and all this propaganda, which just wasn't scientifically true. It just, yeah. But for whatever reason, it rolled out that way. And there's a lot of these people who, are in, are, who could very much need, based on those four different subsets of, of treatment and, and categories, they could really use the power of CBD or the power of uh, cannabis. So kind of give us an overview of what Cannabis Pharmacy has kind of researched and set up in order to support community pharmacies or even long-term care pharmacies um, with with around uh, CBD and cannabis. Absolutely. And and to Todd's point, big negative shout out to William Randolph Hearst and the timber industry who heavily contributed to the blacklisting of cannabis products way back when in the 30s. Uh, I'm sure at some point, Todd, we'll do an entire (coughs) torx about that and about the prohibition on cannabis for the last hundred or so years. Um, Coolest thing about this is some of our older pharmacies that we work with that are several hundred years old, Mm -hmm. um, they have some of the old school bottles from before 1930 that had cannabis tinctures in them because before 1930, when it was all outlawed, you got cannabis tinctures from your independent local pharmacy. And the cool thing is the bottles that they have that they've shown us, uh, they say the same things that our bottles say on the box now, sleep, anxiety, pain, all kinds of inflammation-based disorders, because this is nothing new. We've always known that this is what this plant does. It was really just the rest of the world that we let convince us that it was jazz cabbage or the devil's lettuce, as Todd said, um, something not not to be used. Um, So the cool thing about what we find, and to be perfectly frank, we're in the Bible Belt down here in Charleston, South Carolina. Yes. We anticipated a lot more resistance from the senior community when we started working with independent community 
pharmacies. But the coolest thing about this is all the older folks that we talk to, obviously we're very open, we're very honest about who we are and what we do. And what we very quickly found was little to no resistance because these folks have been through the ringer. They've tried about every med on the market. A lot of those meds have led to side effects and more side effects. They've gotten them put on more meds. Todd, as you mentioned, some people are on 20 plus pills a day at this point. Um, So the cool thing is, you know, I spent a lot of time up north where it's a lot more mainstream, a lot more widespread. So when we opened the company down here in Charleston six years ago, I thought we were going to get beat over the head with negativity from the senior community. And what we very quickly found is they're about at their wits end with the pharmaceutical and the pharmacological route. And, and that's really why we found a lot of them turning towards cannabis medicine to get off of some of those scripts. And, it, and it's great to hear from our pharmacists, too, that are talking about working with the hospice patients, talking about the senior living care places that they're working, where these patients are actually taking the THC products. You know, at first it was all about the CBD. It's all about the inflammation relief with CBD. But Delta 9 THC is the most wonderful pain reliever and sleep aid. And they're selling it like crazy in these places because it works. It's something that they can yep. take that's natural. That just like Steve said, doesn't have all the side effects. And so I think it's important to empower these independent pharmacists and the techs to make sure that they have something that they can explain and something they can give to these patients that actually works. Yeah. So I'm going to take a quick break because I want to hear from Dr. Nick Peters, who does an amazing clinical trial update for us every twerks that we bring him on. And then you guys stay put because we'll be right back. Awesome. Today's where I review landmark critical care or emergency medicine articles in 60 seconds. And the trial of the day for May 26th is the SAFE trial, a trial researching crystal woods and colloids for resuscitation in ICU patients, published tomorrow in 2004 in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, this international multi-center randomized double-blind trial enrolled 6,997 patients to either receive 4% albumin or normal saline. Now, patients received these fluids for their hospital stay, but still received other fluids fluids as seen fit by the providers. And there was no difference between albumin or saline groups with regards to the to the 28-day all-cause mortality primary outcome. But a subgroup analysis found an increased risk of 28-day mortality with albumin when used in TBI patients compared to saline. The first of many studies comparing colloids and crystalloids in ICU patients, this was the SAFE trial, trial of the day for May 26th. I love Nick Peters. Dr. Peters has been doing the um, the Farm to Dose podcast for years. He just joined the network at the beginning of the year, at uh, the beginning of this year. Um, he's a plethora of of information. He's on such a tight schedule that we need to schedule him way ahead to get on twerks. But I want him to talk about clinical trials and what substance is within those clinical trials based on the disease state and the insertion of um, uh, cannabis and how that may become a differentiator in uh, digestion or uh, imagine something that's that's coming out in a clinical trial on cancer or whatever. But if I think of myself and I've experienced uh, some of the edibles, I've experienced different administrations. Um, I always say I get made fun of by uh, Brady because I'll say water, um, vaping and he's like, but that's what it is or, or water bonging. And he's like, but that's what it is. <laughs> I say it anyway. Um, but I, I, I know that administration is different. So if you eat something, it's going to affect you differently than if you'd smoke something versus if it's a topical, it's a pain management. 
that's what I'm really excited about cannabis pharmacy and how we could take better care and making suggestions for senior care, institutional care, um, people that are fragile. I think of my own um, grandma. She's the last one left of, of all of my grandparents. And she has um, a pain in her wrist from some injury that she got. And I was thinking of some of those topicals that we've talked to you about before that my wife is now a fan of. Um, what is the name of that product that was the that was the topical roll-on that you guys The had? arthritis roll-on from Green Roads. Um, that's actually the first cannabis product to ever be endorsed by the American Arthritis Foundation. It's got a bunch of great botanical ingredients in there as well that works synergistically with the CBD and by far the most effective topical I've ever seen in the field here. And so important when people are trying cannabis products, maybe for the first time for them to get results, for it to actually work, for them to become a believer. And so topicals in that particular product are great for folks because you rub it on, it relieves pain immediately. And it's like, wow, it's just a breath of fresh air for people to go, hey, this actually does work, right? And it's a great little foothold that we get because, you know, we, we sell a lot of gummies, we sell a lot of topicals because who doesn't like candy? And everybody's used a cream before. A lot of the more advanced methods and modalities that we use with cannabis oil tinctures, things like that. They're foreign to people in this day and age. So we have a lot of folks that say, yeah, I'll, I'll try a roll on, you know, having a conversation with someone who's never tried cannabis before and trying to get them to put, you know, two mLs of oil under their tongue and hold it there for 60 seconds twice a day. That's a very lengthy conversation that takes a lot of coaching. When you can hand someone a roll on and say, hey, shake this up really well before you use it. Let me know what you think. Obviously, that's not a long-term solution for chronic pain because your skin was created to keep things out. But when you get that instantaneous relief, all of a sudden you're a believer, and then you're much more willing and open to have that lengthy conversation about, okay, now that we know this works and we've gotten that, that elephant out of the room, what are we actually going to do now to address your actual issues? And we've certainly found that taking a daily regimen of CBD for most patients is 25 to 50 milligrams twice a day. That's where we see a lot of the patients coming back to us and saying, hey, this is where it helped me. And that's always the first step in a cannabis program. But people are taking the Delta 9 gummies because they're effective immediately. You have pain, you want to go to sleep tonight, you eat that gummy, it's effective. And so there's two conversations to be had there about helping your internal inflammation by taking CBD daily and then using these other functional gummies as needed for pain or for sleep or for whatever reason you're taking them for. So I use that roll-on. Um, my wife, Nicole, had a pinch in her left side of or right side of her back uh, I put the roll on on right in that spot and kind of like massaged it in. And then I took Fairworks Relief, which was a, a, an older sponsor of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We sprayed some of that on and we kind of came up with our little, old, you know, our own little <laughs> cocktail. But it was amazing because she said it really seriously helped and it actually helped her to go exercise and be a little bit more mobile. And so I think of our seniors who are dealing with they get up out of their chair. They're not really as much as flexible. Grab one of those uh, green roads roll on and get someone to, you know, apply it to the bottom of your back or your legs or something like that. Um, I just think it's the easiest way to ease in someone um, that, that might have a persona or might have a, a bad memory of what was talked about back in their, in their um, teenage years about mm -hmm. the evils of, of the devil's grass um, or whatever, you know, Joe, Joe Friedman, I got to give a shout out to him. He, he said something so nice about our, our intro earlier today through, through LinkedIn. We're streaming live on LinkedIn. We're streaming live on YouTube. Um, so if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast and you want to have a little bit more fun with twerks, 
uh, tune in live or, or go to YouTube and watch, watch Josh and Steve live and look at their beautiful faces. But Joe gave us a shout out and he has the funniest references because he's just been in medical cannabis for so long. He, he's, he's one of the authorities for the entire state of Illinois. So he, in, in PDI medical was his, was his medical cannabis empire. So we're going to have him on talking with the two of you on a, on a future twerks. But he really helped me to understand how the history of, of what people were made to think and how dangerous they were made to think that it was. And then as an adult, when I, it wasn't until I was about 38 that I experienced it myself, but I realized that, you know, there's no such thing as overdosing on a topical Pain, you know, pain rub. I, I take the whole stick and rub it on my stomach <laughs> until it disappeared. And like, what would happen to me? You know, I, I might get a rash or, you know, yeah. might pass out because I'm tired or something. But it's just, it's just such a, it's a, it's a variant. It's a drastic difference from what we were taught and our, what our seniors were taught and the baby boomers were taught. The reason why I keep bringing this up, um, Steve and Josh, is I want our pharmacists to be as they are. They're natural communicators. They're mm-hmm. natural educators. They're natural people that take um, the hyperboil and the, the shock and awe of what's happening in the, in the, in the rollout of the vaccine or the rollout of, of some medication or medical cannabis, and they demystify it for their community. So if you're listening and you're a pharmacist who's very interested in empowering your community through the use of, of cannabis and turning it into education, um, partner with the cannabis pharmacy team because they have so much resources as well as the products themselves. Um, I was thinking of, of Josh and Steve that we should create maybe a webinar to help people specifically educate their seniors in their communities and even bring them into their local community pharmacies for a um demystifying cannabis day or you know the that, that's a great idea it's a great idea we're actually doing something like that with a couple uh, larger communities down in florida where we're going to come in for a day we'll advertise it and just help share information with as many folks that want to learn um set that up we'd love to do that i do want to take an opportunity to plug in here um if you are somebody that's in senior care or hospice and you are looking for pain relief and yes you're having luck with the topicals i would encourage you to try the delta 9 thc it's really where we're getting the feedback from the patient saying this i didn't have to take my pain medicine i took this instead right and so if you haven't tried it yet i would encourage you to try it we always recommend for everybody that's taking thc for the first time to start with a half a gummy it can take Take up to two hours for it to give you the full desired effects. And just like you said, if you take too much, we talk to so many pharmacists that don't know this, and we need to start letting everybody know when you take too much THC, you take CBD, it counteracts the THC. And that's like we talk to so many pharmacists, oh, I didn't know that. And so if anybody ever takes too much THC, 50 to 100 milligrams of CBD should help reduce that intoxicating effect that you feel from the THC. And I can say firsthand that is valid. I tried that when we first heard it. I'm the big nerd of the family, and I had been reading about antagonistic relationships between cannabinoids. And I said, well, heck, let's just let's just see if this works or not. So <laughs> I took more Delta-8 in the gummy form than you would ever take for as a reasonable human being in the middle of the day. And about 25 <laughs> minutes later, it all kicked in. I'd just eaten a pretty fat-soluble lunch, big lipid-based lunch, and that is 
a big thing. If you are going to take edibles or capsules when you're taking these products, they are lipid soluble. They are not water soluble. So you always want to do it with a full stomach. I mean, personally, obviously, I've, I, I take capsules just because it's easier. The sublingual oil is going to be the highest absorption rate and the best dose. But when you're on the go, Josh and I work 12 to 14 hours a day. It's just easier. I don't ever take my CBD capsules without either having a handful of, of mixed nuts or something fatty based because you do get a way better absorption rate. And actually, we thought it was a little bit higher than it actually is. We were talking to, to Dr. Lombardo, who works for Charlotte's Web. He's the chief science officer there. And he was mentioning that you get about 35 extra percentage of absorption if you have a, a, some lipids in your stomach when you take these products. So super important to remember, if you are going to take it and you want to get the best absorption rate, have something in your stomach. And wait two hours because it may be an hour and a half before you actually get the full benefits. And we have a lot of people that don't wait that two hours. They'll maybe take more. And sometimes it can be too much, right? And so important to make sure to follow those guidelines. And, and thank goodness all that research turned out to be true because I was not feeling very comfortable after I ate all those gummies, um, took a big 100 milligram dose of CBD, completely gone in about five minutes. I uh, just <laughs> held that oil under my tongue as long as I could stand it and then swallowed the rest and it was gone almost immediately. So very, very good trick to know. We get a lot of folks that say, hey, you know, I heard Josh and Steve on Twerks and they were talking about Star with a half a gummy, but you know, I, I smoked pot back in college. I'm cool. So I ate two gummies. Right. Well, I, I'm almost immediately, you're going to start having a relatively <laughs> bad experience because that's too much to yeah. Whole different administration, really. Yep. Yeah. And it's and a whole that's different like, That's experience. like anything behind the counter at these pharmacies. If you take too much or, or even just not the right dose for your particular body chemistry, it's not going to go as you'd like it to. And we have plenty of patients that take three or four gummies. Mm -hmm. I had one of the patients came in about a week ago. She takes four 25 milligram Delta H, but it makes her sleep. She mm -hmm. said, when I take two, it doesn't make me sleep. When I take three, it doesn't make me sleep. When I take four, I have the best sleep I've had. And I'm like, you know, hey, what works for you works for you, yeah. right? So if I was, um, if I were king of the land, I would associate 100% of our cannabis consumption, regardless if it's recreational or medical, um, to have a pharmacist kind of do a, a double check, a double take, and then be able to communicate that back to a physician that was on record, especially if someone's under therapy. This is... I don't know how to describe this show to a consumer that's listening right now. If, if you're not a physician, you're not a nurse, you're not a doctor, not a medical professional, and you're the average Joe like me um, and not a I medical guess. professional. Yeah, the two of us, we're all, I consider the over-under show, the over-under. We're not describing information over someone's head, and we're so, so not, certainly not under-educated where we're under and we're saying things that are are completely off the wall. But we're staging pharmacists to bring in the end-all, be-all information so that we can really dig into subjects. So today is a fun show. We're getting ready for a long weekend. Um, yes. You know, We heard about your sushi intake earlier today. I wish I could have been there. <laughs> Every Friday. Um, but pharmacists, if you're listening, this is not meant to uh, be an authority. We are not the authority. You, pharmacist, you yes. are the authority. What we are is we're conduits of acceleration of your success. Mm -hmm. and, and cannabis pharmacy, is, their entire existence is set up to make pharmacists and community pharmacy and long-term care pharmacy and even our specialty. I can't wait to do an episode with you guys. We bring in a specialty pharmacist that has a disease state that they've become an expert in and then have how does cannabis play into this disease state? How does it help the patient overcome some of the side effects of something that they're experiencing because 
That's where I want this to go. I want cannabis pharmacy and I want pharmacists to be meld together so that you are partners, that you're backing them up with marketing materials, educational materials. Dr. Lombardo, he's a freaking rock star. I cannot wait to get him on Twitter. Yes. And we, we got to make him dance. We got to make him do like that. <laughs> and Todd, you know, we support over 700 independent pharmacies uh, for over six years. And pharmacists or farm techs or staff have questions, you guys call us. Go to cannabispharmacy.com. There's a little section there. You can schedule a consultation anytime. We are here to answer questions. If we don't have the answer, We'll go to the source and we'll find it for you. Um, we're really passionate about helping individuals and pharmacists and the patients get results. Um, so lean on us. We're here to help support you in any way we can. And, and also yeah. to your point, Todd, you, you had mentioned kind of recreational versus medicinal use. Yeah. And, and really through my 40 years on this planet, which just turned 40 a couple of days ago, I've been a cannabis user. Thank you. On, on a daily basis, I've been consuming cannabis for about 20 years. And, you know, to, to most and to people, if they didn't know me well, they would say, oh, he's just a recreational pot smoker or a cannabis consumer, whatever you want to call it. What we find with a lot of young people these days and the, the reason I started consuming cannabis when I was in college is genuinely medicinal. And, and when you talk to a guy that says, oh, yeah, I smoke pot every day you know, since college, that's what most of society is going to classify as a recreational user. But when we talk to a lot of young folks and if you would talk to me 20 years ago, what I would have told you is, yeah, I consume cannabis every day because I don't want to take anxiety medication yes. and it works right and somehow you then just because of the prohibition and because of how this nation has kind of shaped its view of cannabis we all kind of just assume oh he's just a recreational pot smoker no big deal we speak to a tremendous amount of young people that do not want to start the pharmaceutical route this young do not really have a whole lot of options whether it's because of lack of health care or because of lack of a primary care doctor that actually is into alternative medicine but we speak to a tremendous amount of young folk that say yeah i consume cannabis and and my parents think i'm just a pothead but i'm actually smoking pot because i have severe anxiety problems and i don't know what else to do or where else to turn and that's really where we are able to kind of step in and say hey i love that you're open to cannabis for this but you're just not doing it exactly right right there is a time and a place for cannabis flower but we get a lot of younger people that had started smoking pot for any various number of health issues specifically sleep and anxiety because mm -hmm. most young people i know these days have terrible sleep and anxiety disorders whether it's because of all the screen time just the world around them everything like that and we convert a lot of them to cbd usage and we say hey look THC is a fantastic compound, but your brain as a young person is not fully developed yet. So anything that you're going to do that's going to be intoxicating is not that. ideal for you. The CBD is going to relieve your anxiety better than the THC products ever could. And you're not smoking and you're not getting yelled at by your parents and you're not risking going to jail for this. So it's just one of those yeah. really natural progressions of, hey, explain to us what you're actually doing here. And you very often find that, that that's a very blurred line between medicinal and recreational use. And then there's my there's my little old grandma who's 86 years old who for the first time. <laughs> time took a gummy you know why because the four medicines they gave her to sleep weren't helping her sleep and so it was it was wonderful i was like grandma's actually taking the product it's amazing <laughs> right and so she slept for one of the first times since she was 86 years she had never thought about taking cannabis and i've been trying to get her to take it since we started yeah, this, right and now. so it's great to find that people are taking this even in their late age and finding that this actually does help them too so. and, and one of the main reasons we love the medical channel so much and i actually just told the story to a pharmacist on tuesday 
one of the first calls on our hotline. We have a 24-hour hotline for questions and dosage information and things like that. We call it the bat phone, and it rings to all of our cell phones simultaneously. Yep. And one of the first bat phone calls we ever got six years ago was a little old gal from Charleston. She lives up in Goose Creek, which is about an hour from downtown Charleston. And we were talking about the products, and I explained CBD to her. At this point, Delta 8 and Delta 9 were not even available. They weren't even a thing. So we were just talking about cadamidile use. And I said, yeah, take a CBD tincture. It's going to help tremendously, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the first thing she said after I went through this whole shtick was, I don't have to go to a bong store to get this, do I? <laughs> right? And at the, mo at, the, at the time, we had one account, and it was a smoke and vape shop in Charleston. And I said, you know, ma'am, unfortunately, we just started this company about a month ago. The only location I could actually send you to is a place that does, in fact, sell those products. So just give me your address. I'm just going to drive the hour out to Goose and Creek. He did. And, and, and he did. And I did. And it, was, it just made her day because that is a big part of why a lot of the senior community doesn't want to engage with this. It's It's – yeah, something that they've been trained not only to have great trepidation about societally, but also that conversation is extremely daunting. And when you walk into a smoke or a vape shop or a gas station or any number of places that carry these products, that person behind the counter is probably not going to care about your arthritis right. or your severe anxiety issues. And that's really why we love our pharmacists so much is they're already talking to you about care. your health problems. They're already helping you with your health problems. So the pharmacists yep. we can convince to adopt this as one of their modalities, it just, it, the sky is really the limit for how much they can actually help these folks. And a bunch of our pharmacists that do really well with our program love the extra revenue, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And I've got a pharmacy group. I think they have four pharmacies it. that did an extra 20,000 in sales this month. I mean, that helps hey, the bottom line. And let's not forget, um, it's, we're going into Memorial Day weekend. We got to wrap up the show. Memorial Day weekend. I want to give a shout out to all of our veterans. Yes. I want to uh, say we love our, our vets. That's why I'm, I'm wearing our U.S. Farmy shirt. 100% of the proceeds of this T-shirt go to supporting our veterans with a local chapter here in Fayette County, Pennsylvania called the Dog Tag Club. Uh, Cannabis Pharmacy is going to be supporting this initiative as well. We're going to actually yeah. have... A, a special um, November for Veterans Day. We're actually going to have a whole campaign around that. But if you want to go to Cannabis Pharmacy and try their uh, starter kit, if you use code PPN20 or what is it? PPN25 or yep. 20? 20. 25? Yep. Two zero. Okay. Two, PPN20. Two zero. So PPN20, uh, you'll get 20% off. Try it. Uh, go now to CannabisPharmacy.com. Once again, PPN20. Gentlemen, you are incredible. Thank you for being our partner in the world of medical cannabis and cannabis for cannabis pharmacy. Um, have a great uh, Memorial Thank Day you. weekend, and Thank we'll you, Todd, hear yes. you on the flip side. Absolutely, Todd. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a happy and safe Memorial Day, and we'll see you all next week. Take care. Thanks. Look forward to it. Good see you guys. There, <laughs> all right. That's a wrap. We'll see you next time on Twerks.